And this is where this journey begins. So I want you to catch the first thing that began is God began telling me his opinion of me. And you're starting to think, why does his opinion of me have anything to do with my future? Because when you know what you are, your confidence changes. And when your confidence changes, your position changes. And when your position changes, you look at things differently. And it's called ruling. And when you can rule in the Spirit, your world begins taking on a different shape. And we're going to look at a character this morning. So the problem is our culture is we've lived from being influenced rather than influencing. And so we feel awkward in influencing. You see, the second part of God believing you is He builds a fortitude that you're accepted. And so I'm really trying to put on this because a lot of times you're in the morning, God loves you. You're accepted. You're righteous. You're clean. You're whole. Jesus did this. When you accept it, you get all of this. And sometimes we go, okay, God loves me. God loves me. And then I go out for the day and you're like, where does that translate? And then we come back and know God loves me. And then it's easy to go, well, okay, I get it. God loves me. I'm ready to move on to something else. And we can't move on to something else. But I want to put this as as the fuel, kind of like the gunpowder in the shell. This is the gunpowder of what's going to take you into your next place. You see, you can't influence until you can deal with rejection. Let me just say that. You can't influence until you can deal with rejection. But if you're internally not secure, the rejection will be personal and it will collapse on you. But if you're secure in who you are, you'll just accept most rejection is just fear from other people. They don't know. They can't process. You're invoking into something that makes them uncomfortable. But if you can handle rejection, you can influence. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. We love that verse, right? But a lot of times whenever we quote, we hear that, well, in some old just circles, which is in here. That's, that's, the, that's the verse given at funerals. He's restoring my soul. He leads us beside still water. It's all this calm and this soothing. And we need that internally. But then it goes on to say, but I leave you, lead you, I lead you into the paths of righteousness. Yea, though. You know what that means? Yes, you will. Yes, you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, you will pass through things that are uncomfortable. Yes, you're going to go through areas, not tribulations, not things God's putting on you, none of that kind of stuff, but He takes you into places where it's unknown to you. But His rod and His staff are there comforting you. What are they doing? They're protecting you. Because His place for you, His table is not by the pond. His table is not over here. That's where you restore your soul. The place of your identity is at a table in the presence of your enemies. See, He brings you to a place of influence so He can showcase, this is my child, enemy, deal with it. And He brings it to you and He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. My cup runneth over. Influence. See, Everything through Scripture, God takes you to a place of securing your identity, bringing you into a place of strength, and then taking you into the influence that you were designed for. But if you notice, it's a natural progression. You don't have to work. See, I got on an airplane, and I just want you to know, I figured out I can fly about 565 miles per hour. Can you do that? 
I can travel at 565 miles per hour without my hair even blowing around. And there ain't much for that to do. I don't have to spread my wings. I just sit and am at rest at 565 miles an hour. All of us are spinning on a planet thousands of miles per hour. We don't even notice it. You see, you're connected to something else that's in motion and you're at rest. See, when we get into God's love and the Father's opinion of us and we step into who He is, we get going in this inertia takes us. But when I'm in the airplane traveling at 565 miles an hour and I crawl out the window and try to hang on the wing, I'm going to have a whole different feeling. Then it's up to me to hang on. I don't want to have to deal with hanging on. I want to sit, put my headphones on, and listen to some nice music while I'm sitting in the chair, traveling at 565 miles per hour halfway around the world. You see, when we're in the Father's love, when we're in what He is, when we're wrapped in what He is, we're going somewhere. We're not just sitting waiting back. We're going somewhere, but we're at rest in the movement. So let's look at a character. And his name is Joseph. Joseph had three things. He had an identity, he had a robe, a dream, and he had a robe. So he had this identity, he had this robe, he had this dream, and it influenced a world around him. And I find it interesting as we're given all the same thing. So I just want to take a peek at this character for a minute, Joseph. Begins with Genesis 37.3. says, Now Israel was loved, or Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. Now I don't know about you, but some of you might be thinking that's just not fair. I have. It's not really fair that God picked Joseph. I mean, that's kind of a bummer for the other brothers. They didn't choose that either. It's not fair. You guys, favor is not fair. And it's important that we don't live from a victim thought process of, well, I didn't get mine or I'm going to try to go get it. The reality is there's inheritances. There's things that are passed down. We are the product of something else. We're not self-made as much as we want to be self-made. We're not self-made people. You're a product of people's sacrifice, their labor, their work. You're a product benefiting from that. But the where Satan wants to take you is to make you a victim that you're being held out on. You're being cheated. You're being robbed. You've been taken from. We've got to take it to the man. We're looking for somebody to blame it on, but what we're really desiring is the favor that was designed for the other person. And we look at these two things and we're like, this just can't be fair. But what Jesus came to do is He came to create a way and He brought all of us, if we choose to receive Him, into a place seated with Him to have that favor. So He took something that's not fair and He made it available for everybody. But just not everybody's going to receive it. This is really what happened with Adam and Eve ultimately. All Satan had to do was convince Eve that God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to eat from that tree because then you'll be just like Him. And what happens in our heart when we feel like we're being held out, we're being pushed down, or someone's trying to cheat us? If we can feel just a little cheated, then all of a sudden, we drop and we get either mad or we run. 
We either step into shame and just kind of, I'm no good, or we become mad, or we, the malice builds and the vengeance builds. You see this with Cain and Abel, and you see this process just going on and on and on. Let's talk about his identity real quick. So he's born, he's the favorite son, he gets, he gets all this, this favor. They believe that even when he was given a coat, that he was actually the one that was managing his brothers. Because he went, his father sent him out to go check on him. Now I don't know about you, but if the younger brother came out to check on me, or I notice when my son tries to check on my daughter, who's younger, my daughter, excuse me, my son's younger, daughter's older, my son goes out to check on her or, or tries to give my daughter instructions, it doesn't go over very well. I said, I told my son David, hey, go tell Lauren to go clean up her room. And I heard, hey, you're not my boss. That was the first thing I heard. And he's just passing on the message. Now, it's okay when she goes in and tries to give instructions. That's a whole different process because she likes to regularly, David, I need you to go clean the birdcage. I need you to go do that. And he's like looking at her going, and I just say, Lauren, do you enjoy being told what to do? Well, no, but it's different. Why? Because she's the oldest child. That's how it works, right? The oldest one gets to boss the younger one. It's kind of like it's built into our genes. It's part, of the, it's part of the job description when you're born. Hey, I'm the older, so I'm the boss. Right? Try telling two kids to stay home. Okay, Lauren, you're not the babysitter. I just want you both home. Oh, it doesn't work that way. She is the babysitter. And then you get the call. Dad, Lauren is just bossing me around. Right? I said, well, just rustle her. You'll take her down. No, I'm just kidding. I don't say that. So we, we see this going on, and it doesn't seem fair. But there's a pattern being revealed here. This is the pattern that's taking place in the Bible. There's a pattern because the elder brother always got the bigger inheritance. Always. He got the double portion. He got the bigger thing. But something translates in the kingdom of God that's different. Because what we see here with Israel and Joseph is a pattern is going to change. The new pattern is the younger will receive the greater blessing. Because we see later that Jacob, when he blesses Joseph's two sons, he puts the blessing on him, but switches his hand and blesses the younger more than the elder. And then do we see this pattern with Jesus that He came to us and said, I am Jesus. I have the anointing. I am the Savior. But greater works will you go do because I'm going to give you something even greater than I had. Amen. That's a good place to cheer right there. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, the servant is the greatest in the kingdom. And you can't outserve God. We've been trying to serve God. When He's trying to serve you so you can get out and rise to the place you are so you can influence the community around. And we're still trying to figure out how to make God happy with us. You can't make Him any more happy. The moment you gave Him your heart, He's happy. Parents, are you happy with your kids? You're not always happy with what they do. Don't give me that report. But you're, they're your kids. You fight for them. You want them to go further than where you went. You want something better for your kids than what you have. Where did that come from? Who designed that thought process? How much more, if your love is evil in comparison, how much more does your Heavenly Father want for you? It goes on. His identity. They try to rob it from him. So let's tie his identity with his coat. So his identity was internal first. What? He knew his father loved him. And his father gave him a coat. But what did his brothers see? The coat. 
he got the coat. And when he put that coat on, it just infuriated them to a whole different level. They already didn't like Joseph. Now they're mad. So they go and one wants to kill him. One's like, okay, we can't really kill him. He kind of knew better during that whole thing. And so they sell the boy into slavery. We know the story. But one thing Joseph we forget is Joseph understood dreams. He wasn't being arrogant when he came with the dream. It wasn't a random dream. It wasn't because of pizza. It wasn't because he didn't sleep well. It wasn't because he saw the wrong movie. He knew he had a dream. He knew it came from God. And he understood how to interpret it. You see, he took what God had given him from that love and he took this skill, this idea that he had from God, these concepts, and he understood how to use it. His brothers were mad because he was telling the truth. He wasn't insulting them. He wasn't, hey guys, what do you think? I had this crazy dream last night. I had pepperoni pizza and guess what happened? And they were just like, oh brother. No, no, they knew he was telling something that was true because he was assured of the dream. This becomes important. See, God's given you gifts and He's given you thoughts and He's given you ideas and no one else is going to embrace them. But it wasn't so much the dream was His gift, it was His ability to understand dreams. You kind of catch the difference? All of us are looking for a dream. Follow your dream. I want you to follow the understanding that God put into your heart. So, first thing they try to do is take His coat. They take his coat, drench it in blood, and then he's sold. And I love, I'm not going to go through every single Scripture. You've got to go read from, from Genesis 37 to Genesis 40 and just read the whole account and just go through it differently. But when he gets to the account where he's getting sold, while he's a slave, when he's getting ready to be purchased, he's done nothing for his new masters. Potiphar looked at him and said, God is with him and he's a successful man. He hadn't done anything. You see, when there is favor on you, the heart of another person sees it. They see it. It's not because of what you do. This is again, you could perform well. I've had people work for me that performed great. They did everything I asked them to, but they just they, they didn't connect. It's like it's almost like, hey, I did all this, now you owe me. Hey, I did my part, where's my raise? Hey, I did my part, are you gonna do this for me? You know, it's like it's like this, I've earned it, now you gotta do something for me. Little hint, bosses don't really aren't very persuaded over that whole thing. They might give it in to you for a few times, but it's not going to win their heart. But there is a difference when your heart is for something. There's a difference when there's an atmosphere that you create because of favor. And it says, in, uh, if we look at um, Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And we only look at le just our natural leaders this is referring to you. When you rise in the righteousness that you've been given, the people rejoice. All around you, in your environments that you're in, when you rise into the love of the Father and that He's made you righteous, that He's made you confident, and in that favor, people around you are at rest. They rejoice. doesn't that say that in uh, Romans 8.16? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. An heir is an inheritor of a kingdom. Romans 8.19 then goes on, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits 
for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for you. Are you seeing a picture here? See, we want to go and get some leader way off that we elect in to save our world. But it's not that. It's you that the Scripture is referring to. You rise in every level that you're connected to and rise in your confidence, rise in your righteousness, rise in these things, and around you, influence begins taking place. And you are ruling and reigning in the area of influence that God has given to you. So then it goes on. So he has this dream. He has his identity. He has this robe. And so he's standing before Potiphar. And I I want you to hear this. In, In Genesis 39... In verse 4, he says, And Joseph found favor in his sight. In the view, in the heart sight of Potiphar, Joseph found favor. You see, it doesn't matter where you put a righteous man, he's going to find favor. You could stick him in a pit, you could stick him in a prison, you could stick him in a hole, but if you will rise in the loving identity of your father and in the favor that he's given to you, it can't keep you down unless you want to accept rejection. Joseph did not feel pleasant about his brothers and sisters, and I'm sure there'd be some not pleasant Thanksgiving dinners. All right? But he didn't let their rejection define his identity. Do you understand the difference? He goes on in verse 8, even when Potiphar's wife comes to him, I want you to listen, because when you rise in righteousness, you don't even have... Resisting temptation has a whole different meaning. A lot of times we resist temptations because we're feeling this way and we're fighting how we're feeling. But if you can allow God's opinion of you to change your feelings, you'll resist temptation completely different. When Potiphar's wife came to him, she said, lie with me. And verse 8, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. In other words, my master has no comprehension even how to run this house because I am completely ruling and reigning over this entire home. He only knows the food that I've set before him. That's it. I am the master of this home under the master. And he has committed all things he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. You see, Joseph might have been bought a slave, but really he was redeemed into his own life. There's no one greater than I. Nothing has been kept back from me except for you. Because you are his wife. But then can I do this great wickedness And not sin against Potiphar, but sin against God. Because he knew the favor that had been put on his life. Everything is mine already, honey. There's nothing you have to offer me that's going to be better than what God has to offer me. So he resisted. You see, we look at temptation as that's better than what I have. I'll just suffer through and just go without. That's not resisting temptation. But when we rise up into our level of, of who we are, that can't give me what I have. Then we go on to see, that's for somebody, I don't know. So the first thing she tries to do is she takes his coat. 
See, the enemy wants to take the natural things that have been put around you, the natural identities. And if I can strip your natural identities, the, the identities that we've connected to in this natural world, if I can take those from you, then I can have your real identity. But when your identity is in the loving opinion of the Father of who you are of, the coat is an irrelevant piece. Here, you can have the coat. Jesus says when they come for your coat, give them that and give them your garment. There you go. It's all yours. Take it. My identity's not in the coat. And I'm really happy about that because my wife always makes me wear a suit jacket on Sunday mornings and I don't like speaking in them. Because my identity's not in the coat. See, she wanted the thing that would bring the identity because the robe meant your position in society. The robe, that the, the colored robe meant that Joseph was the, the manager of the family's home. The robe in the, that he wore inside Potiphar's house was not just something he went down and picked up at the local store. It was the robe design that represented the position that he stood in. And if she could get that coat, everyone would know whose coat that was. So she takes it, robs it from him. He gets put into prison. He didn't whine. He probably wasn't happy about this. Listen, everybody has feelings. He wasn't cold-hearted. He wasn't like, whoops, okay. He wasn't, hey, we got lemons. Let's make lemonade. I mean, I love that saying, but it's really a whole lot easier because it's still bitter. It's still bitter. You're just grinding up bitter and you're drinking it. It's just faster going down, but it's still bitter. You still have to add sugar to it and all that stuff to get the stuff to go down because no one drinks lemon juice without the, the sugar. It's really sugar water with a little lemon. I think that's how lemonade is actually made. It's not sweet. It's still bitter. But when he went there, I love what happened. So he's in prison. What's the next thing that happened? But the Lord was with Joseph. And he found favor with the prison keeper. You see, favor isn't fair. It doesn't matter where you stick the guy. It's, he can't go down. You can't create justice out of it. It's wrong for you to do in this. I want whatever you have. I'm going to take whatever you have. He, he found himself rising to the top again. And it says, and he gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Do you realize the power of influence? When you can influence, you can have a boss, but they're finally relieved something's running so they can go enjoy golf. They're free from the weight. See, when we influence what God does, you carry the weight of what the world's trying to deal and you solve their problems. And they finally, you, get, you put the world at rest. But he's not even carrying a weight. It's just flowing out of what he is. He's influencing. Why? Because his father loved him and he just was being like his father but he discovered God in his father because every time he never said oh, I don't want to displease Jacob I don't want to displease God not because he was good at attending church good at reading his Bible but good at playing his prayers in the morning good at reading his daily devotional good at any of those things it was because God says I love you and I'm giving you something because when you have dreams, when you have vision, when you have insight into this world that the world doesn't know, that's favor. Because He says that I'm giving you My Spirit. And My Spirit, remember the verse that says, 
Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. See, we just don't know what God's doing. We're just going to go randomly through this life and in the end, we'll discover. I don't want to wait till the end to discover. Quite honestly. The world's waiting to the end to discover. Guess what? They're going to discover it too in the end. So what's different about me here? What's different about my relationship with the Father? Is I get to see Him. I get to model Him. He says whatever... I'm going to reveal to you all things. So he goes, but I have given you my Spirit. See, the next verse is, I've given you my Spirit. And I've revealed. I'm going to reveal all things that the Father does. Because I don't hold back secrets from my friends, and I really don't hold back secrets from my children. So he's hiding nothing from you anymore. It's open. And when we tap into that and we walk in the influence, we get to share that mystery with the world around us and they're craving answers. They're not craving condemnation. They're not craving religion. They're not craving craving theology. They're craving, craving answers that solves their daily problems and brings rest to their souls. They're craving it. So he found favor. And then he helped some people with dreams. They get out, the butcher baker, candlestick maker. They're put in there by prison. So it's interesting. God has put us in the prison, so you don't know who's coming out of the prisons. These were the guys with the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker of the, of the king. They get back out. There's actually only two of them, but the story sounds better with the candlestick maker. They get out, and they're, they're before the king, and they forget Joseph. How many times have you invested into things and you're like, man, I gave all that time and they've completely forgotten everything I've done? You see, until our core becomes solid, that it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but we can't let it become internalized where we lose our identity in those things. Because influence is overcoming rejection. Are you catching a pattern here with, with Joseph? Everything was a new way because he's doing something that hasn't been done before. He's on a new trajectory. So it goes on. Finally, Pharaoh has a dream and the butler apologizes for forgetting. And he goes, remember, and he goes on. And Joseph came before Pharaoh, told him the dream. Next thing we know, here's, here's Joseph. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, oh, he said this verse 38, can we find such a one as this? A man whom is the Spirit of God. Can, this is Pharaoh talking about Joseph. Can we find such a one as this? See, the world knows if you have the Spirit of God, then you know things that they don't know. We've been given this gift as a favored child to everyone who believes. The gift of the Spirit to access Because the world is looking for you. They're not looking for all of your weirdness. They're looking for the strength of character to see into what can't be seen and access God because they can't. He goes on, verse 41, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring. By the way, when you have favor, they don't go read your past resume. Because the record shows 
Joseph and Potiphar, what were you in prison for? Well, another man trusted me and I was accused, but I didn't do it. Right? We know how politics works. If we want to trust the political system for the favor, you better be able to deal with rejection. So, influence is overcoming rejection. But see, Pharaoh saw something in, 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 in him that the Spirit of God was there and he didn't care about his resume. He didn't care what he was. He didn't care that he was bought as a slave. He didn't care that he was a Hebrew. He didn't care about anything. He cared about one thing. God is with you and the Spirit of God is in you and I need you. And it goes on. See, I've set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring. His signet ring. I think I lost my little deal here. Shot that right off. He took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. The signet ring was when a decree was made. And we're going to talk about that tonight because we're going to understand God from the Old Testament a whole different light. But when you're given the signet ring, when a word is declared by a lord or a king, it's law. And they would decree it, take the signet ring, dip the wax, and press it in, and it is now a law of the land. Joseph was given control over the laws of Egypt. Then he goes, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and he put a gold chain around the neck. And I love it. Everyone kept trying to rob the coat, and each time Joseph got promoted into another one. I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, Joseph, no man may be able to lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. There is such a great picture here. But if you can get this, this is what the Father came to bring us. He came to bring us His kingdom and expose His kingdom in, his, in our heart. He came and won a victory that we now execute His kingdom here on this earth. He gives us the greatest gift we could ever be given. His Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. That we have the same relationship that Jesus has with His Father. As John 17 says, I desire and pray that you would have this same fellowship that I have with the Father. God in me, me in you, God in Him, interchanged, one. That's what I want. Now, I don't know what you want today. I'm just telling you what Jesus wanted. And you can put yourself in any position you want with that. All I know is when the Father says He loves me, when the Father puts an identity in me, He began revealing what I am, He began giving me the confidence to go and dealing with the rejection, not just of people, but the world system is a rejection point. I didn't have to go headlong and run petitions and run campaigns. I just stepped in like the wo Jesus when He met the woman of the well. And He just loved the one person sat in front of Him and changed the city. And the reason we sit in the favor we do in the nation of Thailand is because our director finally got a hold of the Spirit of what Jesus did. That Jesus was a man who got hungry. He got thirsty. He wasn't recognized as God among His peers. He wasn't recognized as deity among His peers. He was just a good teacher. And here He sits, but because the Spirit of God and favor was on Him, this woman comes to the well, and He looked at her with dignity, with respect, and just said, can I have a drink of water? Get me a drink of water. 
And he loved this woman to the degree he, she's one of the only persons early in his ministry that he revealed, I am the Messiah. And she finally met who she was because she met the identity of her real father. And she changes the community. She goes and tells everybody, boldness happened, strength happened, courage happened. See, we try to make this hard by grandstanding. If we would just take what's in front of us and say, Spirit of God, let me see the person right in front of me. Let me see what's going on around me. Let me see what you want to do here, Father. You watch but begin shaping around you and it becomes the most exciting life you could possibly live. But when it comes back to everything, it comes back that I am God's favorite child. I am. But the greatest thing is there's not just one position for that. It's anyone who believes. And He wants that for you this morning. He wants you to understand that He designed you right where you're at, right in the place you're at. See, Joseph didn't say, i got a dream, man. i got to get to the top. I know I'm in jail. God, you have me in jail. I can't get to my goals. I can't reach my goals. I'm not going to be able to reach the goals. The man has me down. They lied about me. They cheated about me. And you can spend all your time in that. You could spend all your time in the well of your family and how they treated you and how they did all that stuff. And this is where I'm at because of my family. We could go there. Or we could go into the place where all of a sudden you're standing in the place saying, I don't care what happened there. I don't care what happened there. I know the dream. I understand who You are, God. I understand You as a Father. And You made me the beloved Son. I'm just going to thrive wherever You throw me. Throw me anywhere. Let's just thrive. This is if right when he was in the prison, he was in that moment. That was his mission. When he was in the well, he was in that moment. When he stood on the auction block, he was in that moment. He was in every moment as the beloved, favored son. Pretty soon, someone said, I got to have you. It was at that point where my director met with the, the woman at um, Laundromat Lady. There's a class system in Thailand, long story, but it was a woman at the well story. Treated her with respect. Honored her. Loved her. Went back outside. His car wouldn't start. She goes, I'll send my husband. Husband comes out. Jump starts the car. Asks my director, what do you do? And my director hands him a brochure about Mission 300. He says, my boss would love this. Three years we tried to get into the probation system. Three years we tried to get into the prison system. We did everything we needed to do. And we were flying on the wing of a plane and our hair was all ripped off and it was just not working. And we stood there and he got in front and he said, my boss wants to meet you. Set up an appointment. We go meet with him. He's the director of probation, one of the most influential people in Chiang Mai. Very influential throughout Bangkok. And he said, I want you to come and do the program. Sign an agreement with us. Set up the contract. And has promoted us. And the reason we're everywhere is because of a woman at the well. And I'm here to tell you this morning, influence doesn't happen because of your great skills, your great knack, your great looks, your great coat. It doesn't even matter what your clothing is. We can find, we can take that all off and you're still going to thrive. It comes when you just finally accept, I am loved by the Father. My mission is to know the Father. And people that are around me, I am going to allow my, God's eyes to view through me that I'm going to let them see who the Father is. I'm not talking about you have to bring a track, win everybody to Jesus. I'm talking about loving them where they're at that's going to touch their heart. Jesus didn't give the woman at the well a track. He loved what that woman needed in that moment. And it set her free. And then she discovered the Messiah. Amen? Amen.